J.J. Watt is retiring. Derek Carr got benched. Alabama gets a new tight end from the transfer portal. Kentucky basketball lost. And there are a lot more losses for basketball in our small market. Friday is here. Everything is really weird. And it's time for this new episode of Jake's Take. Let's go. Let's go. Don't wait. This night's almost over. Honest. Let's make this night last for what is going on, everyone? Thank you so much for tuning in to Jake's Take. As always, I'm your host, Jacob Silverman, at Jake's Take Podcast, at Jake's Take 14. And as always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network, your home for all different sports and different forms and varieties. Like I said, this is a bit of a weird episode, and I know we're kind of straying away from focusing on the South, but I feel like right now, these are more important things to focus on than the South. Now, I'm not saying that we're not going to love the South. And I mean, I will always love small market sports and this is the main focus, but still it's really important for us to focus on some other news. So first and foremost, I do want to send my thoughts and prayers to the family of Pele. Now we just got word that Pele has passed away and he had been in and out of the hospital recently. So I think with this, a lot of us kind of saw it coming, but we didn't want to acknowledge it. And it's definitely a lot hard to, you know, understand because I love Pele. I was a big Pele fan too. And I mean, it was great watching what he was able to do for Brazil and Brazil loves him. But Brazil is definitely in mourning right now. We're all in mourning for Pele as well right now. I mean, I just think that there's so much with him that is, has to be recognized. I mean, he was 82 but he was also someone who led Brazil to three World Cups. And he's labeled as one of the greatest players and sports figures of the 20th century. And that definitely means a lot. And he had over a thousand goals in over a thousand games. And of course, you know, he also played for 14 years for Brazil. And he won the 1958 World Cup, the 1962 World Cup. And the 1970 World Cup. So that definitely means a lot. But he also just stayed really involved with Brazil and with soccer there. So I know that Neymar and other players from the Brazilian national team, because I know that they are just now obviously finding out about this, but they're definitely mourning. And I'm sure that they're going to have some thoughts there in regards to Pele. But Pele was definitely one of the best. And we're thinking about his family and everyone who is associated with him right now. Now, moving on to a bit of some other surprising news in regards to football, it has the focus of J.J. Watt announcing his retirement. Now, it was pretty sudden because he posted it on Twitter and just said it was my child's first game. I don't know what his child's name is. It'll come to me eventually. But I think with this right now, he had been kind of struggling with it. So he had stated how it was his child's first game and it was also going to be his last game. And we were all pretty a little confused about that because right now, you know, that's just very hard to understand. So it's he had stated that it was Koa's first game and his last. And they had just announced the birth of Koa. Koa was just born a few months ago. But with this... Right now, I think a big reason why he might have wanted to retire could have been because of his baby being born. Now, J.J. Watt has had some health, I don't want to say issues, but he has been having some things that have 
caused him to be on the injured reserve that have caused him to struggle a little bit. But he's come back very well from it. But one of the things that many people were just now finding out is that in October, he tweeted he went into atrial fibrillation. Sorry, I'm mixing up my words. And he had to have his heart shocked back into rhythm. That's terrifying to hear. I think with that, you know, that does bring up some concerns and people wanted to make sure that that not only he was okay, but also making sure that he was doing all in all a good job with the whole thing. But more importantly, you have to remember that he had some struggles too. You know, he ended up on the injured reserve a lot recently. He's been playing since 2011. Now, that's a long time, especially on the defensive side of things. But you have to remember, you have to stay in condition. You have to stay in good shape. He's 33 years old. So a lot of players are going to start thinking about retiring, especially when you've had some injury concerns. You know, he had a leg injury in 2017. He also had an injury in 2019 when he tore his pec. And then, of course, you know, he also suffered a shoulder injury in 2021. So right now, he's definitely had some injury concerns. So I think right now, it's hard, but I also have to agree that he's doing the right thing, especially because he wants to spend time with his family. Now, he's going to go down as one of the best defensive ends, pass rushers of the 21st century, but he's also going to go down as a really well-liked and well-known person. In 2017, when Houston was struggling with their hurricane, Hurricane Harvey, he donated his money. He donated $100,000 as the starting base. And he had said that it was always about more than football. And this definitely means a lot to, you know, he was named the Walter Payton Man of the Year Award. And he just wanted to make sure that he was helping out the city that he was playing in and that he loves. And you look at his statistics, too. He has some of the greatest statistics, too. Because right now, he has 111.5 sacks. He has five touchdowns. A lot of people don't know that. They lined him up, actually, at tight end a few times. And he would score a touchdown when he was playing with Houston. But he had 20 sacks in a season. He had 17 sacks in a season. He actually had 20 sacks in two different seasons. And then he had nine sacks this year so far. So right now, you know, he's had a really terrific career. The only downside is, is that he hasn't made a long run to the playoffs. And I think that's one thing that I really wish I had seen more from J.J. Watt because I know that he was talented enough to make a playoff run, but he was just on teams that were struggling or were just were really young. Now, our next point focuses on the Las Vegas Raiders. I know we don't really talk about the Raiders too, too much, especially because, you know, they're in Vegas and this show is based out of Alabama. But one of the things that has been a big surprise, too, is the benching of Derek Carr. Now, this is a big surprise for a lot of people because Derek Carr has been this franchise's starting quarterback for so many years. You know, he was drafted in 2014. He's been the starting quarterback ever since. And they just paid him all this money, too. So the whole thing is just a huge surprise right now. And he also has basically... Every single record, passing record or passing statistic for the Raiders, you know, he has led them to the playoffs. He's made the Pro Bowl. He has 217 passing touchdowns right now. 
But here's the thing about it. He came in this year and he is struggling in this new offense. Now you have Josh McDaniels who has worked with Tom Brady for so many years, but the knack with him was that he always struggled with other quarterbacks not named Tom Brady. So in this new regime, in this new offense, Derek Carr leads the league in interceptions. He had the same amount of interceptions last year, but he still leads the league in interceptions, which is definitely hard to believe. His completion percentage is down. His pass attempts are down. They're going to running the ball now more. And they're starting a player who has never started a game before. Jared Stidham was drafted by the Patriots, was traded this offseason, and he's actually getting more looks. But the other thing, too, is that Derek Carr is now stepping away from the team during this. Now, I understand that, you know, you want to take time for yourself. I understand that it's important to think of others. But right now, I feel like this is the worst possible time for Josh McDaniels to bench Derek Carr. I know he struggled. I know that right now it isn't the best time as a Raiders fan or as the Raiders team especially because you have Chandler Jones and Denzel Perryman going on IR. But still, with this team, it is very surprising to know that Derek Carr isn't going to be your starting quarterback. Josh Jacobs hasn't been guaranteed a contract extension, or they didn't even pick up his fifth year. You just traded for Devontae Adams, and the main reason he came to the Raiders was to play with Derek Carr. He's not going to be catching passes from Derek Carr this upcoming week. So everything is just all up in the air right now, and I feel like timing was not the best. I don't know if this was a Josh McDaniels decision. I don't know if this was a Mark Davis decision. But right now, it's definitely very concerning to know that Derek Carr is not going to be stepping out on that field and playing, and it's going to be Jared Stidham, who once again has never started and has struggled and doesn't look the best. I mean, I'm pretty sure some people forgot he was even on the team, which is also crazy too, because so many people were convinced that the AFC West was going to be the best place for these quarterbacks. And then Russell Wilson struggles, Justin Herbert struggles, Derek Carr struggles. And really the only one who isn't struggling is Patrick Mahomes. And everyone kind of, you know, expected that because that's normal. But this is still a very big surprise to me because this is your franchise leader. He's your captain. And He basically has not only led this team for nine years, but he holds multiple franchise records. He has the franchise record for touchdown passes, pass completions, pass attempts, completion percentage, passing yards. You get the same thing. And then, I mean, he started 16 games as a rookie, but he also is just dependable. So I don't know if this is sending a message, but I also don't know if this means hey, they might trade him because if they do, then right now, how long until Josh McDaniels actually gets shown the door for doing something like this? And he's done stuff like this before. You know, he did this in Denver and they didn't give him that long. And right now, especially with the firing of Nathaniel Hackett, I could see more and more teams getting rid of their coaches. How long until Josh McDaniels is back in New England as the offensive coordinator or in another situation. Because right now, how long do NFL coaches really have before they start doing things that they shouldn't? And because it's Friday, you know what time it is. It's time for Christy's Corner. She's going to break down some topics about the SEC, the transfer portal, and of course, the NFL. Take it away, Christy. 
Hi, welcome back to another episode of Christy's Corner. Some exciting things to talk about and then at the very end I'm going to give you a crazy prediction because all of the predictions I've made on Christy's Corner have come true about like transfer portal players and coaches getting fired. So we'll see what happens. But first I want to start with this was actually kind of a prediction on the last episode with Jake we talked about how Bama had not signed a tight end yet to replace Law 2. Now, there's some other tight ends. Like It's not like Bama doesn't have any, but we were just hoping to see one in the early signing day. Well, they signed one, but he transferred. His name is C.J. Dupree, and he's from Maryland, which there's an interesting take on that. But he chose... Alabama over Ohio State, which that's interesting in itself because I believe his hometown is in Pennsylvania. So he's a lot more familiar and closer to Ohio State, obviously. But I think I know why he chose Bama. We'll get to that. But he just finished his sophomore year at Maryland and he wrapped up the 2022 season with 30 receptions for 314 yards and three touchdowns. So pretty good season. Now, here's the interesting take. So, obviously, he played with Talia Tagovailoa, who is Tua's younger brother. So, kind of an Alabama connection there. But here's a bigger one. So, he also played under the former Alabama offensive coach, Mike Loxley. So, I think, I don't know that Mike Loxley would have told him, like, go to Alabama. But if he knew he was transferring... Maybe that had some sway, but Mike Loxley is still coaching like he's at Alabama. I mean, he was an assistant under Saban, so he learned a lot from him. So I think this is a really, really good fit for Alabama. I think he's going to do some really good things, and I kind of think he is going to take Cameron Latu's spot. Now, my... uh. CJ Dupree is 6'5", 260 pounds, so he's massive. Maybe he can run a little faster than Latu. We'll see. So Latu's last game is going to be the Sugar Bowl. There are still some tight ends left at Alabama. So we've got some sophomores, Miles Kittlesman, Robbie Outs, and Amari Niblack. Now, we didn't see them a lot, but they were freshmen. So they were pretty new, and maybe we'll see them some in the bowl game, I don't know. I'm sure we'll see them at AJ though. But you also have Ty Lockwood. Now he's a red shirt senior and he was the four star recruit out of the state of Tennessee. And he's also ranked in the top 15 for tight ends in the nation. So I really think it's going to be between him and this new tight end CJ for that top tight end spot. So speaking of bowl games, I'm going to recap some of the ones we've seen, some of the SEC games, and it's been sad. So, so far in the bowl game, the SEC has a record of one and three. That's terrible. It's not a good look for the SEC. So we had Florida versus Oregon State. Um, Florida did not score a touchdown in that game. It was honestly quite embarrassing. And they're finishing out with a losing season. Then we had Wake Forest versus Missouri. It was a closer game by 10 points. But Missouri lost 
also finishing out with a losing season. Now one to highlight is Kansas versus Arkansas. This is the game I had on TV last night, and it was crazy. It was a lot of, well, I was going to say a lot of back and forth. It was not in the first half. Um, Arkansas was winning, as they should have been, and then Kansas had a bunch of unanswered points. And it ended, I think it was the second overtime, I don't quite remember, but really good game and the winner of that game was going to finish out with a winning season which obviously was Arkansas so Kansas ends with a losing season then we had Texas Tech versus Ole Miss this was an ugly game for Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin and I think we're gonna see a lot of coaching changes happen I don't think Lane Kiffin's going anywhere but I think a lot of people under him will be cut so for Texas Tech, they had five takeaways by the defense. Um, they've won their second bowl game in a row as an underdog. So it kind of proves that they can show up at these bigger games and they don't just give up because it's just a bowl game, not a playoff. Like they come to win and make a statement at the end of their season. Something else I wanted to point out, their quarterback, Tyler Shaw, show, I don't know how to say his name. He had some kind of stomach bug the night before and he said he was up vomiting all night and he had an amazing game. So I think that just shows that Texas Tech came to play and they were really prepared. Um, we have some interesting draft enters, I guess you could say. So LSU's wide receiver, Kayshawn Boutte, entered the draft. Now, this is a little controversial because some stuff has happened with him. So initially, he said he was going to skip the bowl game, but he was enrolled for the 2023 season. So he, he had all intentions to come back, but he had a change of heart. So he is going to enter the NFL draft. He could go in the first round, but this draft is pretty heavy wide receiver loaded and he's not listed as a top player at his position so wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't go till the second round now if you'll remember earlier in LSU season this was the wide receiver who was deleting all LSU related content after they lost to Florida State so I don't think his heart was ever really set on LSU and I don't think he has a heart to transfer anywhere, no connection and he can enter the NFL and he's gonna do just fine. So I think this was the best decision for him. We also have some more SEC bowl games coming, some super exciting ones. We have the Gator Bowl, that's Notre Dame versus South Carolina. I'm going to pick South Carolina here just because I think they can win it. They have a really pretty tough defense, I think. We have the Orange Bowl. I'm excited for this one. It's Tennessee versus Clemson, literally the orange teams. Um, this one's hard to pick, but Tennessee's really on a downslide at the end of their season. So, And I think Clemson has had – they've had some quarterback issues, but – I think they're stronger. I think they're more motivated right now. So I'm going to pick Clemson. Of course, we have the Sugar Bowl, Alabama versus Kansas State. Obviously, I'm picking Alabama. I'm so excited to see Bryce and Will one last time. 
and I think they'll make this game count. We have the Music City Bowl, Iowa versus Kentucky. It's not a super exciting game. I really think any team could win, but I'd be happy to see Kentucky finish with a win. Um, of course, we have the Peach Bowl, Georgia versus Ohio State. I think this game is going to be much more exciting than Michigan versus TCU. I think it's going to be a lot closer. And I think it's really going to come down to whoever has the last possession in the game. I'm going to say Georgia just because they're the SEC team and I'm an SEC fan. But I would not be surprised also to see Ohio State win. Then we have the ReliaQuest Bowl. That's Mississippi State versus Illinois. Obviously pulling for Mississippi State there in honor of Mike Leach. And the Citrus Bowl is LSU versus Purdue. Not an exciting game. I'm going to pick LSU. And I think we're, we're going to be able to see the talent that they have for next year. I think LSU is going to have a pretty strong season next year under Brian Kelly. And on to some hot news in the NFL. Derek Carr is benched. You know, this is kind of a prediction by me. And one of my older TikToks I did, like... I don't remember if I titled it washed up quarterbacks or overrated quarterbacks, but Derek Carr was on my list. He wasn't number one. He was like number three, but I'm kind of right, proving that I do know what I'm talking about to all my TikTok haters. Um, so here's the thing with the Raiders benching him. They have to make a decision and they have to make it quick. Are they going to just cut him or are they going to trade him? They have to make a decision by February 15th. Um, Derek Carr will be guaranteed $40.4 million if he is still on the roster February 15th. And I think they're going to trade him. I think he's too good not to trade. So he is, well, I think he will be one of the top quarterback picks in the trade market if Aaron Rodgers isn't in there. But that's a different story. I could see him getting picked up by the Jets and maybe even by the Bucks if Tom Brady leaves, which I'm sure he is. Um, Derek Carr has had three Pro Bowls in the 2022 season. He was 11th in passing yards. That's pretty good. He had 24 touchdowns. His quarterback rating was 56.2, which is ranked 13th, so not bad. The only like negative stat I could find on him was 14 interceptions. That's quite a high number, but I think that also comes down to your O-line as well. So we'll see. I don't think we've seen the last of Derek Carr. I just don't think, obviously, it's going to be with the Raiders anymore. Last but not least, we are going to pick some NFL games. So we've got the Cardinals versus the Falcons. I'm going to go with the Falcons here. Hopefully they can finish out with a winning season. Then we've got the Dolphins versus the Patriots. So I was super, super pumped for this game because it was going to be Tua versus Mac. But I'm not excited anymore. We know Tua did suffer a concussion they're still investigating the dolphins about this one too so we're not gonna see that reunion or that revenge game maybe you would call it that i'd like to see but i am gonna go with the patriots here and i think mac's gonna play i think 
this is kind of going to be the game where we see some better plays being called by Matt Patricia. Maybe it's going to be his coaching resume game because I know he's not going to stay with the Patriots. He has not done well there. Then we've got the Saints versus the Eagles. Sorry, Jake, going with the Eagles. Even without Jalen, I think Gardner Minshew can beat the Saints. We've got Panthers versus the Bucks. The Panthers have kind of been controlling their own destiny lately, but as much as I give shade to Tom Brady, I do think he's going to hold his team and beat the Panthers. And then I picked a game that's not a Southern team, but I think it's going to be the best game of the weekend. And that's the Bills versus the Bengals. They're both kind of top in their division. They're both playing really, really well. And I think most people would pick Josh Allen and the Bills here. But I'm going to go off the record and say I think the Bengals are going to come out with the win. So lots of fun things happening this weekend. And I hope everyone has a safe and happy new year. Bye. P.S. Here's my crazy prediction I promised you. Um, look for Jim Harbaugh to go to the Broncos after this season. Yes, that's right. I said it. You heard it here first. Maybe I'll give you my reasons another time. Bye. As always, thank you so much for that wonderful insight, Christy. I think with this, as much as I hate that answer about the Saints losing, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if it happens. They're playing the Eagles, and the Eagles are the best team in the NFC. I'm also going to go with a Panthers win. They're just clicking on all cylinders. They're going to be our wild card for sure. And of course, I'm going to also say let's go with the Falcons win. I feel like they might get it together. So we have some of our teams gonna, who are going to do well. Not so sure about the Titans right now because they're resting all their starters and Tannehill is out. But look for some shakeups as well. Moving on to our next point. In a bit of a shock, though, the Kentucky basketball team is actually struggling at the time of this recording when they played Missouri on Wednesday night. Not only did they lose, but they looked like they were struggling, and that's pretty concerning right now. You know, at the time of this for basketball season, Kentucky has already lost five games, and they just look off. I don't know if it's a lack of chemistry. I don't know entirely what's going on, but they just did not look right. Now, there's good news and bad news. The good news is, is that right now, the Kentucky Wildcats are still the Kentucky Wildcats, and they're still going to be fine. They still have John Calipari, so they shouldn't be worried. The bad news is that with the SEC, it has now become one of the most competitive conferences in basketball. You know, Nate Oates is building something terrific at Alabama, Bruce Pearl has taken his team to the NCAA tournament multiple times. Eric Musselman is looking great. They just hired a new coach for Mississippi State, and he was pretty dominant in that game against Alabama. Even though they lost, they had Alabama on their heels for a good bit of the night. And then you've also got Florida, who's going to figure things out right now. But right now, it looks like the reign of Kentucky's dominance for basketball in the SEC is over. It used to be that Kentucky was the only basketball school when it came to the SEC. Now you've seen the growth and development of Auburn, the development of Alabama. You're seeing that in Tennessee, Mississippi State. 
But even just looking at this Wildcats record, you know, you've got a loss to Michigan State, a loss to Gonzaga, a loss to UCLA, a loss to Missouri. And right now, you know, that isn't that good. You know, you're starting off SEC play with a loss. And actually, correct me, it was their 8-4. and I don't know where the fifth one came from. But with this team, this is not a really good start to their season, especially because you're playing Louisville on the 31st, you're playing LSU on the 3rd, and then you're at Alabama on the 7th. Now, SEC competition is going to get harder, but this is not how you want to look at your first game, especially because right now Kobe Brown had 30 points, and then while Oscar had 23 you have to look to see if they were getting help from other players on that team right now. And it doesn't look like that because Wallace had 19, Wheeler had 12, but your other starters gave you two and six and you didn't really get much help on the bench. So I think with this, it's going to be very important that we see some production from Kentucky and make sure that they continue to grow. But for right now, they shouldn't worry. You know, conference play just started. They're going to be fine. They're going to still get it together. But I think they need to realize that they're not the most dominant team in SEC when it comes to basketball. Now, they'll still be good as long as John Calipari is there and as long as they are still recruiting well. But their formula is making dividends to other teams. Duke's done it. Kentucky's done it. Now you're seeing Alabama, Auburn, and other schools do it. Kentucky isn't going to just be the only one at top. They're going to still have some competition. But we'll see. We'll check back in with them and see how they're doing throughout the rest of the SEC basketball season. And finally, before we conclude, we've got some focus on our small market basketball teams. And right now, these teams are struggling. And none of us really know why. Because right now, we were saying how good they were going to be. Now, last time, Christy and I had talked about John Morant's comments in regards to how they're the only team in the West and no one else should be worried. We'll get back to that more later. But let's focus on our teams in the East. Right now, the Atlanta Hawks are below 500 and out of playoff contention. And the Charlotte Hornets are still struggling. So with this, there's come a lot of ideas or press of should the Atlanta Hawks be trading Trey Young? I'm going to say no. I don't think that it's a viable option to trade the player who led you to the Eastern Conference Finals a few years ago. I know it's been a tough start, but right now with this team, they have a lot of young players. They'll still be doing fine. But I think right now, they just need to get comfortable. Remember, we've always talked about how the Atlanta Hawks are always going to be around 500, but they will surprise us. Now, they had a good lead against the Nets, but then they lost. So I think right now with this Atlanta Hawks team, they just need to get back to basics. They need to figure out what exactly they want to do and what type of team they want to be. Because right now you're ninth in the Eastern Conference and you just had a one point loss the Brooklyn Nets. You have depth, which is good, but right now it seems that player development is really the issue for the Hawks. So how are you going to combat that? How are you going to grow? Because right now with this team and with the small market, people are looking to our basketball teams who have provided some success and getting excited. Remember, we want to see more 
of our basketball teams on primetime and on ESPN or TNT. We don't want to keep seeing them on streams or other things that we have to get. We want to see them on the actual TV station. And that's what's going to be exciting about it. Now with the Charlotte Hornets, they did catch some fire when they beat the Los Angeles Lakers. And they still have the potential. But right now, I feel like the Charlotte Hornets are still struggling with injuries. You know, they lost to the Trailblazers. The Trailblazers are a pretty good team. They're in playoff contention. And then they had a loss to the Warriors. Now, here's the thing about this team when it came to playing the Warriors. I honestly thought that Charlotte was really capable of beating this Warriors team. You know, they didn't have Steph Curry. And with Quay Thompson, he's been doing great. But I also felt like with this Hornets team, they could do some contention. But I was obviously very, you know, surprised. I think we all were. But still, I mean, it's the Warriors. This is a team that can get pretty hot pretty quickly. And they're going to get Steph back. But with this Hornets team right now, I definitely think they need to start considering trading for someone else. Right now, they have good players, but they need some other players who can help out. You know, in this game, Lamelo was 7 of 25 of shooting. And then you had help from Terry Rozier and Mason Plumlee. But aside from that, that doesn't really help. And I think with this, maybe they should be looking into trading for someone. You know, they have picks, they have depth, they have the pieces. But right now, they just need to figure out how to put it all together. And that's the thing about the Charlotte Hornets team, is that they can never really figure out how to put it all together. And I think that's one thing that Steve Clifford is struggling with in this first year of being back with the team. Now, moving on to our team that we seem to have been talking a lot about recently, the Memphis Grizzlies. Now, Christy and I had talked about them on Tuesday, and we were discussing how with this team, something has just seemed a little off. Well, I definitely think that right now those comments are kind of struggling with this Memphis team, because after Jaw made those comments about how he isn't worried about any other team in the West... They are now number three in the West, and they have lost two straight. Now, I think with this, they can learn from it. You know, you lose to the Warriors, and you lose to the Suns. We talked about the Warriors' loss. The Suns was a bit surprising because there was no Devin Booker. And with this team, you know, the Suns have kind of been in the same boat as the Memphis Grizzlies. They'll go on a streak, they'll go on another streak. But right now, maybe it's something where you should question with the Memphis Grizzlies if they're going to continue to get better. Now, fortunately, with the Grizzlies, they are playing, at the time of this recording tonight, they're going to play the Raptors in their favorite. Then they play the Pelicans on Saturday. Here's the thing about this game. It's not a guarantee for either team. It used to be a guarantee for the Pelicans. Then last year, it was a guarantee for... The Grizzlies, no one can guarantee anything anymore. But this game is going to be played in Memphis. So because this game is being played in Memphis, the edge goes to the Grizzlies, but it's a mental game too. What's Jaw going to do? What is Dylan Brooks going to do? How healthy is Jaron Jackson? Is Desmond, Blaine, is Desmond Bain going to be playing? You have all these questions, but you also have to make sure that these players are contributing right now. A lot of these players have gotten into foul trouble. 
Taylor Jenkins has gotten a tech. So what's the idea here? Because you look at the Memphis stats from the Phoenix game, and you did not get any help from your starters. Jaron Jackson, six points. Dylan Brooks, seven points. Steven Adams, six points. Desmond Bain, 14 points. That's not help. You need to get help from this team, and you need to make sure that these players are performing because you are a contender, and right now, you're not living up to that status. And of course, the final point when it comes to our small market teams is going to be the Pelicans. Now, you might be saying, wait a minute, the Pelicans are on a win streak. Everything should be fine. They're going to be okay. You cannot be more wrong if you think that this team is going to be okay. Because in the game against the Minnesota Timberwolves, they beat them by a point. It took them until really the third or fourth quarter for them to figure out that they will be okay. And it took Zion to becoming, you know, ultimate superhero Zion mode or <laughs> Zion mode. Anyway, this team struggled. And Larry Nance Jr. went out with an injury. And of course, you're just looking at this team right now. CJ McCollum struggled from deep. And then you had Najee Marshall and Jonas Valanciunas who weren't doing well. Devontae Graham. That's right. Devontae Graham, who is still on this team and has been getting better, didn't make a single shot. Jose Alvarado struggled. And really with this, they just looked off. Now they came out with a win. That is terrific. But this was against a team that also had multiple players foul out. Well, they learned from this. That's the good thing. This team will learn from this loss. I mean, it's not really a loss, but they're going to win, learn from this one-point win. But right now, this team needs to work better together. Right now, they need to get their chemistry going. And of course, this all comes back to when do they get Brandon Ingram back? But that is going to do on this Friday episode of Jake's Take. As always, thank you so much for all the love and support. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Anchor, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher. We're basically on all platforms in regards to podcasts. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe. We greatly appreciate it. Y'all have been so wonderful throughout the past few months, and we're excited to move into the new year. You can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, at Jake's Take Podcast, or my personal Instagram, JakeSilb14. As always, this is sponsored by Variety Sports Network. Check them out. We've got a lot of great content coming in throughout the new year, so there's a lot to be excited about. You can find Christy on Instagram and TikTok, at ChristyMarie underscore double zero. She just uploaded a few new TikToks. She also somehow predicted Nathaniel Hackett's firing, so definitely check out her TikTok as she's got a lot of new things to focus on. And as always, as always, thank you for tuning in, for taking the time out of your day to listen to us. We wouldn't be here without y'all, and we are so greatly appreciative of all that. And I cannot put into words all that means and what you have done for us. So as always, thank you so much. Drop a like, drop a follow, subscribe, share this with your friends. Happy almost new year. Happy holidays. Continue to be great. Be the best version of you you can be. Create smiles. Bring adventure into your world. Create new ideas that you want to take on for 2023. And as always, we will see and hear from you all later. Take care. Find some
gotta keep 